Welcome uh, back to Mesilat Yesharim, Path the Just by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato. Last time we discussed making the difference between good and evil and uh, making your decisions based on that and understanding what you should be doing every single day, taking time to understand that some of your actions need contemplation every single day and having an advisor, a person who's been through the struggle, through the darkness of this world to help you get through. Today we're going to be doing chapter 4, which is how to get this vigilance, this carefulness, this watchfulness. How do we acquire it? What are we supposed to do in order to get this uh, um, midah, this attribute? So we're going to start. The thing that brings a person generally in, into this zirut, uh, into this vigilance, to becoming more careful, is through learning Torah, Torah study. It says in the bright in the Talmud that we brought up in the beginning in the introduction, Rabbi Pinchas when he st- when he says Torah studying Torah brings person to being vigilant. But more specifically, more specifically, what brings vig- uh, vigilance? It's seeing how uh, big how big is obligation is to the Creator and what He has to do to be in service of the Creator and how big of a judgment there will be on this obligation. And this contemplation, this analysis, we can only see from looking at the uh, books, uh, the holy books that we have, like like the 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 five books of Moses and the, the whole Tanakh, the Talmud, Everything that comes after the Zohar, Tukunei Zohar, all these books bring us closer to these midot that we're trying to uh, learn how to get. And also by studying the words of the sages that talk about these things and inspire inspire us to become better. Now he's going to discuss how this inspiration is different for three different kinds of people. So we're going to discuss three different kinds of people in depth. So, this inspiration comes in different levels with different people. For those who have uh, translated it as wholesome perspective, they know what they want to do. They want to become vigilant, but they haven't done it yet. They have it in their mind, but it's not in action yet. And the ones who are lower than this. And then the entire general population. What do people in general have to do? To become um, vigilant. So the first level we said was the people who have a certain perspective. They know they want to become vigilant. They're ready to become. They understand the idea of how to become vigilant. It's just not in action yet. These people, the inspiration will only come. By understanding, the only thing that they get jealous from is by another person who's spiritually perfect. They want to always become more spiritually perfect. And so be- because of that need, that jealousy to become perfect, that's a good jealousy, to become more spiritual in a sense. And nothing else. No, no jealousy, no, no coveting for anything else. And there's nothing worse from having a lack of perfection and being distant from this perfection. And then they understand that the only, the only way to become perfect, spiritually perfect, is doing good deeds 
and having good character traits. And it's, it's certain, it's certain that they will never make, uh, reduce, they will never reduce these, these means, as in they will never become, uh, they will never decrease their amount of good deeds and their amount of good character traits, or become like relaxed in this uh, sense. Because if they understand, they, they've already understood that if they become, if they decrease this good character traits and they decrease the, 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 um, the way to get to perfection, or if these, uh, these, these means, the good deeds and the good, act, the good deeds and the good traits, if they become weak in it and, and they don't have it as strong as they can do, they will not reach that perfect, the perfection, the true perfection. But if they, if they don't reach with their whole ability, if they don't use their full, full potential, then the same will happen by reaching their true perfection. The true perfection will not be true perfection. It will be almost perfection. Right? So this, it won't be total. It will be just half maybe. So the same way that you don't put in the full effort, the same way that you won't get the full result. And they will be found that they'll, the, they fail in order, they will fail in attaining this perfection. And to them, failing to get perfection, it's very, very not good for them. It's, Terrible, evil, and they, they, they would never want this to happen. That they will, in every single detail, in every single good deed, every single good character trait, they will be so strict on themselves to get these right in order to attain this true perfection. And they will not rest. And they will not quiet their stress or their concern about this. Because if they do become lax, if they do become resting and, and complacent, then they might lack something that would bring them to this perfection. And that they definitely don't want. So these type of people are the people who want to become vigilant. And they have this desire. So they have this jealousy of other people who are already perfect and, and higher than them in the sense of spiritual perfection. And so through the good deeds and the good character traits, they will reach this spiritual perfection and that's how they will get to vigilance. And that's what Shlomo HaMelech said. Solomon said in Mishlei, a person is praiseworthy for what if, he, if he's always afraid. What does it mean afraid? The, the Talmud says in Maseret Brachot, it's talking about Divrei Torah. When it comes to Torah, when it comes to Torah, that's when you should be afraid. What does it mean? That he's not uh, uh, observing the Torah in true perfection. That's when he should be afraid. He should be in a constant fear of not attaining this perfection. And this level of inspiration, and so what do we call this thing of, of, of being afraid not to observe the Torah in its true perfection? We call that the fear of sinning. It's the highest, most praiseworthy level that a person can attain. A person should be in constant fear, constant worry. Am I doing this right? I have to be making sure that I have to do the mitzvah in the right way. 
Pen yimatze biyado is a shemetz chet. That if he doesn't do it in the right way, he's afraid that he might have a, a sin. Shiakveo min hashlemut asheru chayav lishtadel ba'avuro. And that if, if he does a sin, then he'll be uh, not reaching this perfection that he's always wanted to get to. And so they bring up a metaphor in, in the Talmud, Baba Batra. It says that uh, when a person comes to the next world, that a righteous person, every single righteous person will have, they say, a canopy of fire. So sort of like an ohel. Or, or like a, uh, yeah, like a, like a tent of made of fire. And it says in, in this Baba uh, Batra, in the Talmud, that every person, every righteous person, will be burned from his friend, his friend's canopy. What does that mean? This burning is not uh, jealousy that comes from um, like the wrong kind of jealousy. Like, wow, that guy has a nice car. Why don't I have a nice car? I should have a nice car, not him. That's not the jealousy we're talking about. As he says in the later on in the book. But this jealousy, what is this jealousy? This jealousy is him realizing that he has a lack. That there is a person who is so perfect in his spirituality and it becomes that the person who's seeing this, he, he feels the lack that I can reach that level. Why don't I have that level? That's the jealousy that we're talking about here. Spiritual jealousy. Just as his friend achieved it. This contemplation that a person has. It's, it's certain that we know that a person... With the wholesome perspective, like I said, the person who knows he wants to become vigilant, it's just not an action yet. He won't, he won't refrain from being vigilant. Because being vigilant will bring him to this true perfection. So by wanting this true perfection, on the way, he already attains this vigilance. So because he has his goals clear, he understands what he wants. He wants to become spiritually perfect. In order to become spiritually perfect, on the way he, he attains, he, he gets this aspect of, of being careful so that he might not sin. Because if he sins, he can reach something that's not perfection. So that was the first level. The person who, who has a uh, wholesome perspective, he knows what he wants. He wants vigilance, he wants spiritual perfection. And on the way he gets there. So that's the first person. But there's people on a lower level than that. The people who are on a lesser level. The inspiration that they have to become better is according to the level of how they know good from evil. And it's based on the, uh, the honor that they are constantly craving. And so this is what it is. Any a uh, person who, who understands or any sensible person the levels of reward and accomplishment in the world to come aren't different only based on how many, how many good deeds a person did and the person who has a bigger status has done more good deeds and the person who's done less good deeds is on a lower level. So by that, 
idea. How can a person look away from his actions that are, that are bad for him? Or make his efforts small or reduce, make, uh, uh, decrease his efforts in this aspect. Because eventually he's going to be so distressed, so, so in worry that he won't be able to fix what he did. So he's saying that eventually, in the world to come, we won't be able to correct our sins. The things we do here are permanent, right? So if you do something here that's bad, and you don't do tshuva, you don't do repentance for it, which we're going to discuss, then it becomes, you can't fix it in the world to come. It's something that you just can't fix unless you do repentance. So we're going to go deeper into this topic. So these people... Sometimes these people say, maybe I don't have to do the whole work. I don't have to keep pushing. I'll do the minimum. The minimum that I need to get into the world to come. Why should we be toiling? Why should we be so worried about uh, being tzadikim, like being pious and being righteous? Isn't it enough that we're just not in hell, okay, so we're not in hell, and we're in heaven, we're just in, you know, we're not in the best in heaven, we're okay, now let's stop there, we're not going to push further into Gan Eden, into heaven, if we're not going to have a big uh, part in, in Gan Eden, a big part in the world to come, we're going to have a small part, it's okay, we'll deal with the small portion, it's, it's okay for us. That's enough for us to get into the world to come. And, and we're not going to make a bigger effort. So this is what these people are thinking. Some people think these things. That you don't have to do the maximum. You don't have to push with all your effort. This is what the Rav Khala says about these people. Let's ask one question about, these, about the defense that they're bringing. This question, the, the logic that they're bringing. So he's saying the person who thinks that I don't have to do as much as I can, I don't have to put in a full effort. Why, why can't they just stop having a little part in the world to come? Because if you say to these people, the people who, who are constantly chasing honor, they can't see, when they're an honorable, they can't see people below them, above them. They have an issue with this. So what happens in the world to come when they're the ones who are below? They're not going to, they can't stand it. Their blood will boil, the Ramchal says. We know it to be true. We see it. Every toil, every, every uh, effort that a person uses in this world, in this physical world, is to become better than someone else. And to make himself better in society. It says in Kohelet, I think Kohelet is Ecclesiastes uh, in English. So it says, This is the person's jealousy or, or rivalry with his friend. Because 
So a person who sees someone, so someone who is very honorable, they have a lot of ego that they're the best, and they can't stand to see someone below them become higher than them. So in the world to come, they can't stand this feeling that he's going he's gonna to force himself to, to bear it. He's going to force himself to do these things, to put in the maximum effort in order that he won't become lower. So it says, So if he sees his friend higher than, than he is, it's, it's certain that whatever he goes through, it's, 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 it has to, he has to go through it because he's lower. He's not able to prevent this being lower. And his heart, it says, his heart will, will, will burn or smolder with, with bitterness and jealousy. So now we understand that it's hard for people, these people, right, the second, the lower level people, to see people below them, above them. So now that we know that it's so hard for them, to be very low in the physical world, he calls it the illusion and the false levels of this world, where anything low is actually superficial. It's not really low. Any status is considered nothing. Everything is false in this physical world. How will they be able to see themselves in the world to come, in the world that is true, not the physical world? How can they stand to see that they'll be lower than the people who are lower than them right now in this physical world? How can a boss of a certain of, of a certain worker see himself on a lower level than a worker in the in, in the world to come? And this um, inferiority, this this feeling of being inferior, only happens in the world to come, in a true uh, in a true world, which is the world to come. Although right now. He doesn't understand what the world to come is. He doesn't appreciate the world to come. And so he doesn't become concerned about being uh, uh, better than his worker in spiritual sense because he's not worried about it. He's not in that world. He doesn't see. He doesn't appreciate it. But once he, re- he becomes, once he gets to the world to come, he understands what it means to be spiritual and he understands, <coughs> he understands the pain and embarrassment of being lower than his friend and the pain that he'll feel. This inferiority that he'll feel will become everlasting. It'll become forever because the world to come is forever. So the Ramchal says, So now you see, This tolerance, this patience that they have that it's okay for them to have just the smallest part. This, this idea of just having the minimum is what the evil inclination, what the Yetzirah is convincing them to do. It's an illusion. And it's not really a good argument to say that you're just going to have a small part in the world to come. There would never be an actual basis for this argument. If they would see the actual truth, 
because they don't seek tr the truth. And they go around and they, they do, do mistakes and they blunder. Their illusion will not be removed. Until where they can't help to realize what the truth is, which is in the world to come, and when they face the final divine judgment. And once they finally realize what they did, they won't be able to fix it. So this is what it's talking about. The people who have this feeling that I don't have to do as much as I can. It's okay. I'll do the minimum and that's enough. Yeah, that's fine. I'll get into heaven with as minimum as possible. That's not how that works. Once you realize what you did in the world to come, you won't be able to fix it. So do it now. This is what Solomon said in Kohelet. Everything that you are able to do, you should do. Because there's no action, uh, contemplation, knowledge, or wisdom that will help you in the grave where you are going. This means that whatever good things that a person doesn't do, while he has the ability to do them, that the Creator gives him the ability to do, this ability is the free will that a person has. This ability that he has is free will, and it's given to him through his whole life, and he's commanded to act in the service of the Creator. This ability that he has to do things and to, to be in service of the Creator, he won't be able to do them in the grave. He doesn't have this ability to do anything. Whoever doesn't accumulate and make sure he keeps doing more and more and more and more and more good deeds, he won't, he won't have the opportunity to do them afterwards. Whoever doesn't become wise in this world, he will not become wiser in the grave. And this is what it means when Solomon says that there will be no action, no contemplation, no knowledge, and no wisdom in the grave, which is where we are going. Do it now. Whatever you're thinking to do, maybe I'll push it off, it's okay. I don't have to do it. I'm doing the minimum as possible, you know? I don't have to put in the full effort. It's, it's, okay, it's okay. No, that's not, that's not what you're doing. That's, that's not what you should be doing. What you should be doing is doing it now. Put in the full effort. Because afterwards you won't be able to. There's only one time to do it. So that was the two levels. The first level was a person who has wholesome perspective. He wants to do uh, the best he can. It's in his mind. He has a plan. He has a goal. But he just hasn't put it into action yet. The second level is what we just spoke about. Is how a person um, wants to do the minimum. He doesn't have to put in the full effort. When he really... Has to because once he realizes what he did, then he can't change it because he's already in the world to come. Now the third level is talking about generally the general population. What are you supposed to do? The people, everyone. How do you get this motivation, this inspiration to become vigilant? It's through the idea of reward and punishment based on your good deeds and your bad deeds. To see how far the divine judgment actually goes. 
you should be, for every person should be trembling and frightened from this judgment that comes. And just to mention, the Rosh Hashanah is coming up, and that is the day of judgment. And that's, this Mesilat Yishrim should be read in the days of Elul, Rosh Chodesh Elul, until Rosh Hashanah, to have this, this awakening, Musar is, is to be, put discipline into our lives, and to realize what are we doing here, and what is, what is, what is, what is our purpose. So this is what Mesilat Yishrim is teaching us. Who will survive on the day of judgment? And who will be, uh, who will be justified in front of his creator? That his investigation is meticulous on every single thing, whether it be small or whether it be big. And it says in Masechet Chagigan, that in the in in um in the final days that Hashem will tell over every single word that you've ever said. During the time of divine judgment, after a person passes away, he goes through the judgment. He recounts everything that he did in this world. And it says that even the conversation between a man and his wife, like a small conversation, doesn't really mean anything. Hello, hello. Right? Just like nothing. Just every single word is recorded. Everything you do is recorded. And it's judged upon. And they also said, And that everything around him is very confused, very uh, uh, stormy, uh, blurry, confusion, turbulent, everything. It's, it's just total mess, chaos. So in the Talmud, they use this word, where it's very stormy and confused, as as a hair. That the Creator is very exact, Exact to the point of uh, how how thin, like how wide a hair breadth is. That that exact pinpoint exact. So now the Ramchal is going to go through a list of of uh, um, a list of people, a list of tzaddikim from the Tanakh, from the Bible, who also get judged, because it's it's not just for a simple person; it's for everyone. Judgment is universal. Avraham, who Avraham It says about Avraham, he's uh, beloved to the Creator. And then it says in Isaiah, Avraham Oavi, Avraham who loved me. He didn't. Avraham Avinu, Abraham, the patriarch, didn't even escape divine judgment, because even for the little things that he did, where he wasn't meticulous enough. It says in uh, Bereshit, the book of Bereshit, how will I know that I will inherit uh, the land of Israel after uh, the Creator spoke to him that he will? So the Creator said to him, He says after, he says, how will I know that I'm actually going to be promised? Well, like, what's the proof? How am I supposed to know? So the, the Creator says back to him, your, your, your children will become strangers in in uh, Mitzrayim in Egypt, so which is talking about the Egyptian exile, the slavery, and so because he wasn't meticulous and because he questioned the Creator, he got this um, punishment, so to say. So everything that the Creator does is mida connected mida. This versus that, uh, not this versus that. That because of this, right? So it's all exact. There's no um, forgetting things. 
which will, he, will, he will discuss this. Also where Abraham made a uh, covenant uh, with uh, Avimelech. And afterwards it says in the Midrash, he will declare um, a delay of happiness for seven generations. So these seven generations are between Abraham and getting out of Egypt. Because he didn't ask the Creator if he should have this covenant with Abimelech. Yaakov, so now we're going to Jacob. And so Jacob became very angry with Rachel. When she said to him, bring me children. And so it says in Midrash about Jacob that he became very angry. The Creator said to him, This is how you answer the crush, the, the people who are in such a low place. Eventually, the sons that you'll have from the other wives, he had four wives, the sons that he had from the other wives will stand in front of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Rachel. So there was a total exact judgment. Also Jacob gave his daughter Dina in a box. That Esau will not take, Esau will not take her to be his wife. Even though his intention was good, but because he was not being, he, he prevented having kindness to his brother, what did the Creator do? The Creator said to him, You're the one who withholds kindness from his friend. You do not wish to marry, you, don't, you didn't want your daughter to marry someone circumcised, which was Esav. So now we're going to marry her to someone not circumcised, which was Shechem, as the story says. You didn't want it to have a permitted marriage, so now we're going to have. So now we're going to have a marriage that's forbidden. So there's a total exact judgment that happened in this story. Yosef Lefi in the Tanakh. We know this is a famous. Uh, a judgment that's passed down. That's we know this that because Joseph said to the cupbearer, uh, the person who was in charge of all the uh, drinks in in Pharaoh's house, that he said to the person who was, he was getting out of jail. So Joseph said to him, "Please remember me and tell Pharaoh about me." And so that showed that he didn't have emuna, complete emuna, that God will take him out, and he, he relied on another person instead of the Creator. So because of that, Two years of prison was added to his sentence. Like it says in Midrash. Yosef Atzmo. Yosef himself. He, um, how do I say this? Um, embalmed his father. So after his father passed away, um, after Jacob passed away, generally Tzadikim, their bodies don't decay. They don't decay. Tzadikim's bodies don't decay. So embalming a Tzadik sort of shows that he wasn't really a tzaddik. So that was sort of, that was very disrespectful. So that was another thing that he did. And uh, also when the brothers came to Joseph, when before they knew it was Joseph, they said that your servant, our father. And that's disrespectful to, to Jacob because Jacob being a servant to Joseph is not right because he's, he's the father. 
So that was disrespect there. Each according to his He died before his brothers. So because he wasn't respectful in these two things that the, uh, the, the Ramchal brings up, he died before his brothers. He brings it up from Midrash Rabbah in Bereshit. Uh, David, David Amelech, David. King David. David, David Torah He called the uh, the Torah songs in his in Tehilim in Psalms. He says, um, so he says, uh, your statutes were as songs to me. And then he was punished, involved in the story of Uzzah. So what happened was that they were singing, they were going through, and uh, they were had they had the ark behind a uh, that was carried by. Uh, ox and what happened was the ox stumbled on the path the ark almost fell and a person named Uzzah touched the ark to make sure it didn't fall what happened was he died on the spot and so after that happened David became very sad and because he did this thing with calling the Torah a song he became his joy was decreased and disrupted Another example, Michal. So Michal, when she saw that Michal was the wife of David, when she saw that David was coming back and he was dancing, very, very weird, it's a weird behavior to see David dancing right in front of the Aaron, right in front of the ark. Michal, she sort of, sort of like screamed at David or was like, like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. She did that to David because he was dancing in this uh, manner. She didn't have a child until she died. Because she was disrespecting the way that David was trying to uh, have joy in the Shekhinah, have joy in the Creator. And she was the one who, she, she sort of like screamed at him in a way. So the final example that the Ramchal brings, Chizkiyahu. Uh, I'm not sure how to say in English. I'll have to... Um, he was the Chizkiah was the king of Yehuda, king of Judah. Chizkiah. So he showed the ministers of the king of Babylon, Babylonia, his many many houses of treasure. So he was very he was showing off. And so it happened to be so his descendants were decreed to be the servants in the palace of the king of Babylonia. We see that this judgment is exact. This for that. So Chizkiyahu is Ezekiel? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. So that was the last example. Ezekiel, that his, he showed off his very, very nice houses full of riches and wonders and everything. But eventually his descendants were decreed to become servants because of this showing off. Ramachal goes on, And there are many, many examples. He says, where righteous people were punished for even these minor transgression, minor sins because of this judgment. So we see the exact judgment that the Creator brings. And in the uh, chapter of Hakol Chayavim in Masechet Chagiga, it says, Rabbi Yochanan, Kad havei matei lahavei kera hava bachei, vekarafti alechem mishpat vayiti ad mehel vegomer. So Rabbi Yochanan, it says in the Talmud, he would cry when he would get to the verse that says, I will, be, uh, I will come closer to you for the judgment. 
and I will be a swift witness in showing who's, who did these sins. So Rabbi Yochanan would say, Is there any, is there any thing that he can do, a servant who's, who, is there anything that a servant can do where the master weighs the, uh, the minor thing just like the major thing? Just like the serious transgressions. Now, so he's explaining that there might be mis- like some, someone might have a mistake in thinking that the, 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 the Talmud is saying that the punishment for both minor and serious transgressions are the same punishment. That's not true. That's not that's not what it's saying. The punishment is not the same. Rather, Rather, the, the Creator punishes every measure for measure. This for that. So what is, what is the Talmud saying? That when you're weighing these actions, that the offenses, the sins, the transgressions that you're doing, the minor ones are also weighed like the serious ones. And nothing is ignored, nothing is overlooked. The, the, the serious transgressions will not make the minor transgressions forgotten. And the judge, which is the creator, will not uh, turn his eyes away from this transgression. Just like he won't look away from the uh, serious ones, just like he won't look away from the serious ones. So he won't... Just like he won't look away from the serious ones, he won't look away from the minor ones also. He will uh, investigate and look at them in one, uh, in, in one same exact investigation. To judge every single one. And judge and, 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 and punish every single one, uh, each as its own, as whatever it's worth, this, this, this sin. That's what Solomon says. For everything that uh, Hashem will, that the Creator will judge, He will bring with uh, um, every action, every action Hash, uh, the Creator will judge. Right? Every action the Creator will judge. This means also that just like the Creator doesn't let any um, good deed to be forgotten also. So so just like a, the Creator doesn't forget any small good deed, He doesn't forget any small bad deed. So He doesn't forget anything, doesn't overlook anything. This judgment is exact. So this verse that we were talking about in the before, it's 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 showing that it's like disproving this uh, this logic. That the Creator won't bring up the minor transgressions. And that he won't uh, contemplate and and take them into account. This, that's not true. To the contrary, the rule is. Anyone who thinks, anyone who says that the Creator is one who overlooks sins, his, as what it says, his innards will be overlooked. Right? He will be forgotten also. You think that the Creator forgets any, every, any small thing that you do? You will be forgotten. It's, it's, he is exact in his judgment. 
וכן אמרו סייג'ה סיין במסכת חגיגה אם הוא אומר לך יצא הרע If the evil inclination tells you חטא והקדוש ברוך הוא מוחל לך If you sin then uh, the creator will forgive you It's okay to sin you can, you'll, be, you'll be forgiven eventually אל תשמע לו do not listen to him Some people think that you can sin and later on you're doing the sin because you think that you'll be forgiven afterwards. You can't do a sin based on the fact that you're going to be forgiven. That's not how it works. Don't do the sin. Then you don't have to be forgiven. It's a better place. It's something simple and clear. The Creator is a God of truth. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says in the book of Dvarim. פרשת האזינו, עצור תעמים פעלו כחוד הרחב משפט, כאל אמונה ואין עוול. So it says the rock, the rock is um, a metaphor or one of the names that um, the creator has. So the rock, he's perfect in everything that he does. All his paths are judgment. He is a god of faith and there is no uh, uh, inappropriate behavior, no iniquity. כי כיוון שהקדוש ברוך הוא רוצה במשמט when the Creator desires real justice, true justice, So since the Creator desires true justice, He weighs every single action. Because think, it's the same violation of this true justice. Whether the eye, whether the eye is looking away from the merit or it's looking away from the guilt. So if it's real true justice, he has to reward and punish for everything that he does. For this act, he gets this punishment or reward. For this act, he gets this punishment or reward. Everything is exact. With ultimate precision, whether it's favorable for him or unfavorable for the person. This is the meaning when it says that he's a God of faith without iniquity, he's righteous and he is fair. That it says on this verse, He's both for the righteous and the wicked. It's not just for the, for the wicked that he judges. He also judges the righteous too. This is what it means, the attribute of justice. Everything he judges. And on every sin he punishes. And there's no escaping this idea. So now we're going to look into what does it mean justice and mercy. Because we know the aspect of, justice, uh, the aspect of mercy and the aspect of justice. Or judgment. So now you're going to ask, you can, you can say, if it's true that everything is, has a perfect precision, why do we have Why do we have the aspect of mercy? Because anyways, everything is going to be judged um, for everything in, in an exact way. So why do we need mercy at all? The answer is, Mercy is what makes the world exist. That the world wouldn't exist without this attribute of mercy. But either way, even though we have this attribute of mercy, the attribute of justice is not uh, uh, impaired or it won't be affected by this addition of attribute of mercy. 
So we're going to explain what this means. Because according to the uh, using the application of, of justice, if we were using true justice, then a person who sinned would be immediately punished. With no delay, and the punishment itself will be very, very severe with, with much anger. Uh, for fitting for a person who crosses the word of, of the Creator. And there won't be anything that can fix this sin. How is a person, so the question is, if it's true justice, there won't be any repentance that a person could do because it's true justice. You can't do something. The sin is already made, he's saying. How are you supposed to do the sin if it's already, it's already been done? A person who kills someone else, a person who commits adultery, can you remove the action from existence? It already happened. How are you going to remove what the consequence was? So the, the attribute of mercy brings the opposite of these three things. The first one, gives person to the sinner. It gives, his mind, uh, it gives time to the sinner. He doesn't get uh, eliminated from the world as soon as he sins. So that's the first idea that the attribute of mercy brings. He's able to have time to repent. The punishment itself, this is the second aspect, won't be a punishment of destruction that he'll die right away. And the last one, the re repentance is given to sinners purely out of kindness. It's, it's a kindness that we're able to repent at all. That with this repentance, we're able to uproot, uproot the sinner's uh, um, a desire to sin with and replace it with um, that by uprooting the desire to sin, you're uprooting the action that was done. So it's not that once it's done, you can't change it. With, the, with repentance, with tshuva, by repenting, you can uproot your will, your uproot your desire to do the sin. Once you don't want to do the sin anymore, it's as if you didn't do it. It uproots the action also. So he's going to explain this. Once a person who's trying to repent understands what he did and he, he acknowledges the sin, and he contemplates the evil that he did, and he repents, and he regrets it with total retrospective remorse and regret. And just like you regret by uh, a, a neder, a vow that you made, by uh, annulling or, or, or canceling this vow, the same chalata, the same regret that you have to have. And he's totally, totally reconsidering and regretting what he did. And he, now he really wants and he truly wishes that the, whatever he did sh shouldn't have been done. He really wishes he never did it. And he was sorry in his heart with great pain and great sorrow that he had, that he had done it. He's very sorry that he did it. He has real pain, real remorse. 
Minu, and he and he wants to make sure he doesn't do it anymore in the future, and he runs away from it every time it comes up. Since he's done all this, then he's uprooting the will. He's uprooting the desire. Once he uproots this desire, then he's uprooting the vow, and the sin is atoned for him. So this is something we can learn before Hoshana, that what we want to do with tshuva is we have to have true remorse, true regret. Are you really, are you really regretting that you did that sin? Are you going to do it next week? Or not? What are you going to do? That's the real question. What are you going to do next week? So this atonement, this repentance, this atonement that can only come through true repentance. That's regretting, true, true regret from the sin and totally running away every time it comes up. Whatever it is, running away totally, fleeing from the scene. And this is what it says in Isaiah, And your iniquity has gone away and your sin shall be atoned for. That this sin that he made was actually removed from existence because he removed his will to do it, his desire to do it. Because he's sorry right now with the pain that he feels. And he's retroactively regretting of what happened. Now, this idea of repentance is actually kindness, it doesn't have true justice. But this kindness that comes, it doesn't totally contradict the justice. Before we said, or maybe we still have to say, let's keep going. There's a rationale that you can use to justify um, the repentance. Because in place of this desire to sin, and this enjoyment that he had from it, instead of the, the, the desire and, and the joy, now he has regret and pain. And so, so this delay of punishment, it doesn't make the sin go. It, the delay of the punishment, when you're not repenting, it doesn't make the sin go away. But this delay of punishment is to help you. It's the kindness that the Creator is showing to show that you have time to repent. So we're coming up to Rosh Hashanah. This is the time to repent. This is the time to think about what you're doing in your life. And this is what, how all other types of kindness works through the, creator, through the Creator's attribute of mercy. Just like a son who can uh, provide merit for his father, for his father who sinned, for a wicked father, or the idea of the kindness by how once a part of a soul is punished, then the entire soul is also punished. And so you don't have to, it's, it's a concept that he's bringing up of kindness. It mentioned in the words of the sages, the way of kindness is to accept a small merit or punishment. As if it were a big one. So the small punishment that might have happened, or the small uh, merit that has happened, it, it, it can sort of stand in as a large one also. But these, um, this leniency, basically, doesn't actually contradict the attribute of, of justice. Because if it was contradicting the attribute of justice, then all the sins would be forgiven, forgiven right away. That doesn't happen. 
That's not true. Because if you don't repent, you don't be forgiven. If you do repent, then you can be forgiven. So there's a mix of justice and mercy. Rachamim and din. Because there's an appropriate reason to consider these leniencies that we're bringing up. But to say that the sins are totally overlooked with no punishment, no retribution, or that uh, the Creator doesn't pay attention, this is totally contradicting to the attribute of justice. There's no judgment in these matters in these things that we're talking about. And so it's, it's, it's impossible to say this thing that everything is overlooked because that's not justice. That's not judgment. So if a sinner is not able to uh, repent or is not able to use one of these ways, it's 100%, it's certain that the attribute of judgment will not come back empty-handed. Right? The attribute of judgment has, it's, we, got it, we, have, we have a file, everything we've done. So if we do repentance, we're able to atone for some of those things. But if we don't repent, then the attribute of judgment, chas v'shalom, will take, take what's, what's due. And so the sages say, in the Talmud, the creator is slow in his anger, so he gives sinners time to repent, but he collects what is his, and eventually the sinner will be punished if he doesn't repent. So it, it becomes a person who wants to open his eyes and he doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't have any uh, reason where he can be persuaded where he can be persuaded to be not vigilant in his deeds with ultimate ultimate vigilance and to make sure that he's examining them with ultimate precision so these are all the perspectives that a person should take and so he'll be able to attain this idea of vigilance if he is a person of conscience if he's he knows what he's doing. He's, he understands what he has to do to change. So we're coming up on Rosh Hashanah soon. Coming up to Rosh Chodesh Elul. And so what chapter 4 is saying, how to, acquire, uh, how to acquire vigilance, how to acquire being careful, is through the studying of Torah, through Torah study. But then this Torah study brings inspiration. Now the inspiration can be on different levels. We talked about the first person who has a wholesome perspective. He has a goal. He has a mindset. He knows what he's going to do. He just has to do it first. You got to put it into action. There's the lower person who's all about a kavod, all about honor, and that um, if he if he thinks that he can put as minimum as possible, he'll be okay. That's not true. You don't put in the effort, you won't get any results. The third one is the whole population of being um, uh, based on the reward and the punishment. We have to understand what we're here to do. We're in the service of the Creator, and if we're here to do that, then we have to do the good deeds and have good character traits. We have to be as best as possible in order to get to this vigilance. So coming up to Rosh Hashanah, we've got to change ourselves. We've got to use, use our time to, to really get there. And so with this, we'll be able to do it before the Day of Judgment, before Rosh Hashanah. Thank you so much.